Network and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. I don't know. Something going on today? I mean, other than the show. Anything new? Anything happening? I'm trying to think. It's I'm thinking there might be something going on today. Maybe? No? Bigger coattails that I can ride. That's what I'm seeing. That's what you're seeing? That's what I'm seeing. <laughs> well, we're kind of taking maybe the no BS thing, maybe even further than I'm comfortable already. In the opening few minutes, greetings. We are live here on demand as well on the Blaze Radio uh, TV and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. That's Todd, Coattail Rider 1. Aaron is Coattail Rider Number two, although since he's the one that keeps us on the air, I'm ac- I'm actually kind of riding his. Oh yeah, I should be, on a I should be at the back of the bus there. Yeah, yeah, yes, for sure. So what are you here for <laughs> um, uh, today? He's got a screwdriver. He's just walking around. <laughs> yeah. My name's One Wrench. Yeah, got one wrench for every job. Uh, my first radio job, the engineer. He, that was his nickname because he brought one wrench to every problem we had. He brought. Get her done. Get her done. And I was often off the air those days. I'm I'm not really sure why, maybe. Anyway, today is a big day. My uh, new book, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise, releases it. The official lingo <clears throat> is that it drops today. Yes, you can pick up your copy allegedly at bookstores, at least the ones that aren't censoring us now because just about everywhere else is trying to. Uh, or you can just order yours from Amazon.com as well. And I'm, it's <clears> nice that your I'm voice so went excited. I'm choked up about it. Yes. Verklempt. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, this is what happens when you do long, uh, repeated radio interviews uh, to promote a book release before you do your own show. All right. So hold on. Marco Rubio. Break here for just a second. <clears throat> I like the all way right. you drink water. I just thought maybe you could use a self-esteem boost today. That, that's all. By being creepy. It's okay. a spiritual gift. Uh, okay, I'm back at number two, baby. <laughs> yeah, that. you've moved up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have tryouts. <laughs> all right. 888-900-3393. How much for one rib? 888 <laughs> 3393. Steve at com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. You know, when we are not being exceedingly mediocre around here, uh, we have an opportunity to support some uh, fantastic causes because of uh, the audience and the platform that you guys and the Blaze provide for us. Like Back to Jerusalem, they're an organization that works with persecuted Christians in closed countries like communist China and others where they don't want the Bible to be read. Why? Because it inspires people to throw off the shackles of the tyranny of their own sin, but also the sin of oppressive governments that are oppressing them as well. And for the price of just a couple of fast food meals, you can give the hope of the word of God to persecuted Christians and lift those nations up. It's $15 to help deliver, I guess for the lack of a better description, it's like a pill-sized uh, electronic Bible. The entire scriptures are there from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, and that helps to, for lack of a better term, uh, let's not use the word smuggle. That seems impolite. How about um, 
Uh, get the word of God in there against their will. Is that better? Do you think that's maybe a nice, uh, nicer way of yeah. saying it? Yes. Uh, and that's all it costs, $15 uh, to send the word of God to China, North Korea, Iran, Somalia. These are nations that desperately need this help. Back to Jerusalem has the vision of reaching all those closed nations uh, that are between China and Jerusalem. You can join together with us to send the gospel to those closed nations. We want to send our, our goal. It's pretty lofty. We want to send 10,000 of those Bibles that are small enough to look like a pill. We want to send 10,000 of them to those closed countries. If you want to help us reach that goal, visit Back to Jerusalem. You can uh, you can support the Back to Jerusalem Pill Bible Project by visiting blazehelp.org. That's blazehelp.org or by calling 844-305-0566. All right, plenty to get to here today on the show, but of course, at first, we must always get caught up on what's happened while we were away. What happened while we were away? Brought to you by Hamburgers. Great being with the national champion Clemson Tigers last night at the White House. Because of the shutdown, I served them massive amounts of fast food. I paid over 1,000 hamburgers, etc. Within one hour, it was all gone. Great guys and big eaters. Seriously, though, how awesome is that? The president of the United States went to Wendy's and got a metric ton of fast food for a bunch of college students. That is freaking awesome. Also, President Trump had maybe perhaps his most prescient response to any question he's ever had when asked about Ocasio-Cortez calling him a racist. Who cares? On the topic of excellent propaganda, here's NBC News. Watch. Hundreds of furloughed federal workers line up for a free meal donated by local businesses in Maryland. The lack of a paycheck definitely hurts us. Uh in terms of mortgages, and we have three girls, so uh, daycare is not going to take a creditor's <laughs> letter. Um, we are a little nervous, and hopefully um, they're going to be able to figure out something so we can go back to work, because that's really all we want to do. You know, there, there's nothing that's going to come of this other than just a giant waste of everybody's time and money. They're going to pay me. They've passed laws today saying they will. It's, it's a done deal. So this is just a giant, colossal waste of everybody's money. The government continues to harass nuns? Little Sisters of the Poor was on the wrong end of a California court judge's ruling to try and force them to continue paying for abortions. The Hill is reporting that John Kasich is trying to find a job at CNN or MSNBC ahead of a potential primary of President Trump. Tamika Lowry is the president of the Women's March. She's also a huge fan of Louis Jews or Termites Farrakhan. She was on The View yesterday and was asked to denounce his anti-Semitism. Here's what she said. You know, and just because you go into a space with someone does not mean that you agree with everything that they say. But let me push back a little bit. Why call him the greatest of all time? I didn't call him the greatest of all time because of his rhetoric. I called him the greatest of all time because of what he's done in black communities. And I think that... Former Georgia gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams was asked by Margaret Hoover about illegal aliens voting in elections. The granularity of what cities decide is so specific as to, I think, allow for people to be participants in the process without it somehow undermining our larger democratic ethic that says that you should be a citizen to be a part of the conversation. So not in some cases you would be supportive of non-citizens voting. I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't oppose it. Gillette released a new commercial that's got everybody talking about toxic masculinity. Bullying. The Me Too the violence, movement against sexual toxic harassment. Toxic masculinity. 
Is this the best a man can get? Is it? We can't hide from it. It's been going on far too long. We can't laugh it off. Who's the daddy? What I actually think she's trying to say. Making the same old excuses. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. But something finally changed. We'll discuss that later. And finally, here's Elizabeth Warren trying to take another stab at looking relatable. Hello, friends. It's... Sup. Sup, y'all. Sup, fam. It's... It's Liz. I'm just sitting here, relaxing in my... Chillin'. Chillin'. Chilling in my ha- in my in my brick loft in downtown Boston that I I cannot hardly afford it because student loan debt. And that's what happened while we were away in two minutes or less. <laughs> oh, <laughs> inject strikes again. Inject. Yep. What's the saying now? Inject, inject that, that directly into my veins. <laughs> yes. So good. I would like to mainline. I'll mainline that video. Uh, thank you, waiter. Appreciate it. Uh, we are going to have much more to say about the Gillette uh, commercial uh, coming up uh, later today. It is a Pop Culture Tuesday when we look at the intersection between culture and conservatism. It's an it's an interesting marketing technique to do whatever I can to blanketly and polemically uh, scarlet letter every potential customer that would be uniquely interested in my product. I... I I, you know, the Russian, the Russian roulette scene in Deer Hunter is also interesting, yeah, Steve. I mean, I just, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I barely made it out of community college, so I mean, that that might, that might be like a reverse marketing, you know, uh, reverse psychology marketing effort. I've maybe that's kind of a new avant-garde thing. I, it, I, I, that could be true. I just, it's, it's, it's something I've, I've yet to see it's actually. Ca- it's capitalism at its finest, really. I mean, a razor blade company is using a cultural phenomenon called intersectionality to get their people, their, 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 their people, their most, um, their, their customers to unique themselves. So, you know, it's pretty yeah. clever. Yeah, we'll have more to say about this a little bit later on in the show. Also, uh, on today's Blaze Roundtable, one of the items that uh, Aaron mentioned in his montage, we will discuss a little bit more in depth uh, later today uh, on the Roundtable as well, because it's a good follow-up to the question we had yesterday. You know, yesterday on the Roundtable, we asked, really, when you stop and look at it, how much external political pressure is Donald Trump under to cave? I mean, that video that you showed, it, it takes place, these bread lines are where? Maryland. Maryland. So Trump loses Maryland. We lost it by like 25 points in 2016. So he's going to lose it by 31 in 2020. You see where I'm getting at with mm-hmm. this? And, and so the follow-up question then, we all agree to varying degrees. Our entire roundtable agreed yesterday. You can go watch it uh, if you're a subscriber to The Blaze. We all agreed for, to varying degrees that there's really no external pressure on Trump to end this because the groups most affected by it are really never voting for him anyway or, or just about any other Republican. Uh, on a national level for that base, uh, on, you know, on, for that matter. So today as a follow-up question, we're going to ask, when does the pressure revert to Democrats? And the question that you posed when we brought this up a week ago, how long can this go on and the Democrats risk showing America they don't need huge chunks of right. government? How much of that? How, how much of, if, if, you know, if, this, if, we're in an, if we're into April 
when do those people in those videos start turning to their Democrat people and say, dude, just let him build, uh, you know, right. a, a two mile fence on the Rio Grande because I got a mortgage to pay. We're going to, de- we're going to debate that today. Uh, on uh, the Blaze Roundtable. So make sure you stay tuned to that. Uh, I agree that was Trump's best answer yet. I'm all for using that answer even more flippantly, even with more snark, and even with a more dramatic hand wave to accompany said quote in the future. I I think, uh, you know... I would love to see Donald Trump just go Bartleby the Scrivener here. I would prefer not to. A little very, very Dennis Miller-esque Melville reference there. But just when confronted with whatever today's fake narrative is, who cares? Who cares? You know, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm defending Western, so who cares? I, I would like to see more of that because let me tell you, let me tell you. That's what most people think, regardless of how they voted for Trump or not. Most people don't care. Most people don't care about most of the stories that dominate the news. There's a story dominating the news in my backyard right now. I haven't talked about it. I have no immediate plans to. And there's a group of people that keep asking me why we haven't talked about it. They all work in the media. Would you like to know how many people that either don't work full-time in politics or the media have asked me, how come you're not talking about this story? How, would you like to know how many of emails and, and things I've got asking me why we won't address this story? Will it involve one of it's your a favorite low number. phases, it's a un lo- paquito? It's a low number, man. It's a really low number. I'll give you a hint. It's lower than one. Okay? And I got to believe at least one person's watching right now. Do I need decimals? Negative integers? I got to believe at least one person listened to the podcast on, listens to the podcast on iTunes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just checked because I have to check today with the book releasing. So our, you know, Truth Bombs today right now, it's in the, it's in the top 4,000 overall books on Amazon. When you consider how many books Amazon has, you know, it's hundreds of thousands of books, millions of books. Okay. So at least one person bought a copy of Truth Bombs today. At least one person did. That would be one more person than in the general population has asked me, why are you guys focused in addressing this? See, I, I think most of what uh, we are being asked to talk about, squirrel, that's what it is. And I think we need more. And, and you know, there's a certain Nehemiah aspect to the president doing that. Because right now, the whole debate, the shutdown is about building a what? Wall. Nehemiah's project his gift to the Jewish people was what? Wall. Rebuilding of the walls of the city. Resetting of the foundation of the city of Jerusalem. And so when the Don Lemons and the Sand Ballots and Tobias and the Wolf Blitzers and the MSNBCs and the John Kasichs, when they came to Nehemiah and said, hey, we've got some things to talk about. Um, uh, this uh, this, uh, this uh, 21-year-old woman... Uh, in this uh, Bedouin tribe says that uh, you are you hate Arabs. You need to come down and talk about this. Nehemiah's response is, I will not come down from this wall, for I am doing a great work. In other words, that's a nice way of saying, who cares? I would like to see more. More of that. Because you know what these people need more than anything else? What they crave on a carnal Primal nature. 
is relevancy. Humanistic significance. That I matter. I matter to the system. Now, here's the thing. Trump craves that on a really carnal level too, like most unregenerate people do. I did, didn't you? When you were an sure. unregenerate person, isn't wasn't this your great? You're, especially as a man, boy, we love our significance as men, right? We will, we will do all kinds of stupid stuff in search of it, right? Yes. In search of legacy. So it, the beauty of it is, though, he has a platform that, pardon the expression, trumps all the rest of these. He has, of all the unregenerate people in our system, he has the platform that trumps all of the other ones. So even engaging them, going to war against them, you're still sort of acknowledging Taiwan exists, right? You really, boy, if, you are, if you're in Trump's inner circle, you really want to stick it to CNN. You really want to stick it to the failing New York Times. Stick with that messaging. Yep. Oh, my. Who cares? And if he does it to me, I kind of had a eureka moment these last couple of days. With the the McDonald's thing too, and and Clemson, like he his he really hit was confused in the first two years of his presidency about how much people hated him. People have clearly hated him before, but a lot of people loved him and liked him on both sides. That's why you see all these photo ops of all these Hollywood people. They they, they wanted to be in a, and I I think it really hit him like a ton of bricks. The level of hatred he got, and if if he does what you're asking him to, it'll mean he finally. And listen, even for Donald Trump, that might take a while to come to terms with. If he finally is like, I, I don't care about that, then he can govern. Yes. Agreed. If he can get over, I want, I want Maggie Haberman at the New York yes. Times, who I've, I have curried favor with for the last 15 years. Right. I want her to acknowledge my great victory in 2016. If he can just get over all of that. Mm-hmm. I need you to acknowledge I had more people at my inauguration than right. if he can, If he can finally just come to grips with the fact that the minute he put an R after his name and right. got elected, exactly. that Jay-Z's and Snoop Dogg Bingo. aren't going to find him cool anymore. That's right. And if you can just point out and realize that there's nothing he can do to change that. I was reading an account before we went on the air today of a college football player who visited the White House in the Clinton years. They got Popeye's chicken. Really? Yeah. And he's and 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 all these people are losing their minds that the president paid out of pocket for a meal because a lot of these people are on furlough right now that would have normally cooked at the dinner. And and it's if the average 70-year-old dude Who's trying to figure out, what do I feed a bunch of 20-year-old guys? Well, what do they probably eat in their spare time? Yes. Probably this. You know? I mean, the, the way that this was blown up, another sign, you cannot please them, don't try. Just defeat them. Yep. Constantly. Just defeat them. You can't please them, just keep defeating them. Get over it. And that's because that will move, that will move his ego beyond. I want your validation to, you know what? I kind of want vindication instead of validation. And the only way I'm going to get vindication is at the expense of your tears. Yes. <laughs> That's right. The cost of my vindication is your tears. And so therefore, I must break you. That's now, now you've got a Samson-esque character. Immoral, carnal, okay, driven by sensuality. 
But now you've got a that's the difference between the guy whose brokenness ends up breaking the people he's supposed to be fighting for and the guy whose brokenness leads him to plunge the 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 pillars of the fish demon Dagon into the dirt as his la, on his last dying breath. Now you got something to work with. Cuz I agree with you. I think it's I think he really believed because he's a narcissist and most narcissists have a hard time believing what do you mean you don't like me as much as I like myself these people were all his friends he's a product of this system and i and and if we could get him to the point that he realizes as long as you're in power with an r after your name there is literally nothing you can do nothing 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 short of resignation or switching to a d after your name that can earn their approval now hell hath no fury kind of, you know what I'm saying? Now, now, now you have a very dangerous Clint Eastwood rolling in on a white horse who's just here for the body count. Now you have, now you have an ally that's dangerous, except not as dangerous to you as he is to your common enemy. I agree with you. That to me has been one of the, that, that to me has been what has stifled his presidency more than anything else. The need to be validated. Instead, seek vindication. And vindication only comes by trouncing these people and toppling them over and over and over again and making them cry. That's it. Give me the chills. Um, definition of a gaffe on the show. Do you guys remember what it is, our official show definition for a gaffe? When you open up your mouth and the truth accidentally comes out. The unvarnished truth comes out. That was Stacey Abrams. Defeated Georgia uh, Democratic gubernatorial candidate. So, would you uh, would you mind uh, non citizens voting for you? I wouldn't oppose it. Thank you. Follow up question should have been: What if they were Russians? <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's a good one. I liked it. I like that one. Um, what else? John Kasich, man. Unintentional self parody is always the best. I saw some story that uh, Dave Drucker wrote in the Washington Post over the weekend. K6 team, it promises that if he runs, it will be to win and not to split the party like Pat Buchanan did. And I retweeted that and answered Dave. I'm like, oh, don't worry. No chance of that happening. (laughs) Buchanan actually won stuff. You will win nothing. Nothing. Um, These people, just the level of self-deception that is required. But I want to make sure, though, we recognize that we can we can succumb to this, too, because the story you wrote about or the story in your montage about Little Sisters of the Poor, the Heritage Foundation has a tweet about this today. It was one of the first things I saw when I got up this morning, get updated. And I pounced on it right away. Government is trying to government is commanding these nuns and other Christian businesses and Christian groups to violate their conscience to pay for abortions. Government cannot do that. Oh, it can try. And it has tried. This is the same debate that's been going on since the first century. Who's Lord, Jesus or Nero? And, and really, because we're talking about the God of the Bible, this is, the, this is really the oldest debate in all of the scriptures. This predates the Christian church. This is, uh, this is the source of the Maccabee re- re- revolt. This is, this, is, this is everything. Who is Lord? This is Joshua early in the Pentateuch 
As for me and my, if, if, if Baal is God, go and worship that Baal. In other words, if the world system is God, go and worship that. As for me and my house, we will worship the Lord. This is the oldest debate of them all. That's why the first commandment is what? I'm God. And the second commandment is what? Don't make other things and fashion other things of this world into God. Okay? That's why the greatest commandment Jesus said, citing Moses' spin on this in Deuteronomy, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. Okay? So this is the oldest debate in the book. Government cannot compel you. It cannot to violate God's law. It can try. But ultimately, you have to make the decision as a believer or a body of believers, will we obey God or will we obey man? St. Peter goes to the temple to preach against the expressed edict of the religious leaders to preach the gospel. Him and John are beaten for it. They go back to the enclave where the, other, where the early Christians are hiding, and the scriptures say they counted it all joy to suffer for the name. So you, as a, those nuns, uh, because if you deny me, Jesus said, I will deny you before the Father. So those nuns, those Christian groups, really, the choice is really theirs. You can, you can obey God and not man in this life and suffer some for it. Sure, you'll suffer some for it, no doubt. Or you can choose to obey man instead of God in this life and then suffer for all of eternity a fate far worse in the next one. That is really the choice. You cannot be, I can't, you can't, no nun, no priest, pastor, no church official, no Christ follower can be compelled by government to violate God's law. You choose to acknowledge the world as the authority. You choose to fear the one who can destroy the body rather than one that can, rather than the one that can destroy the body and then cast the soul into hell. That is your choice. You have made this present darkness your Lord except the consequences. You cannot be commanded to go against God. You chose to. And to the extent that a broken executive like Donald Trump or any executive for that matter has something to do uh, with the same choice. This is where we go right back to what you were talking about, Steve. This is where Donald Trump needs to get used to because he, he we've been begging him to do so. This is where he needs to give a big, I don't care. A full Andrew Jackson. Uh, well, you've ruled. That's interesting. Um, we're going on with our life, and uh, well, we're going to govern a, a country that is far more moral and decent than what you just suggested we do. We need that I don't care on rulings like this. We got. It. There's been columns right now about just that the more shrugs from conservatives, but, well, the courts have ruled again. Yep. No, no, no hell no. Yeah, and the, the, the courts— ruling again and, and continuing to fight some of these cases in courts, uh, it's increasingly becoming more of an exercise to illustrate how quickly we will have no recourse. Um, courts are a form of legal recourse. Uh, if, if there's a di- dispute about the law or dispute between two people, that's, I mean, it settles, though, it's supposed, it's, you know, its design was to settle those types of issues. Um, but it's quickly becoming uh, not that. It's quickly at quickly becoming it is it is already tyrannical and so fighting continue to fight these battles in courts you'll win some of them maybe 
and you'll prove something, maybe. Uh, maybe, if you're lucky, you'll set some sort of precedent that uh, other courts will have to... It's increasingly just becoming a fool's errand, except for this, that it's illustrating that we will very soon have no recourse whatsoever, and we will be yes. forced to choose between, oh, the courts have spoken, uh, and uh, no, Jesus, Jesus is king, the Lord is king, not these courts. That's what this is is going for. We need to stop thinking about the courts as, oh, crap, we lost this, and we need to appoint better justices, or we lost this case, oh, no, what are we going, no, they're just there to either illustrate, one, that Jesus is Lord, or that the government is Lord. That's basically the only function they serve right now. This conversation, I, I could sum up my entire career in conservative media with the conversation we just had. Essentially, I would sum it up as my attempt to get those of you that watch me, listen to me, and read me to, to act in obedience to the God your rights come from now when you have an advantage and can still play offense until it's too before it's too late and it's either this or a noose it's either this or a camp it's either this or uh, a stake because that's 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 typically what believers have done through history is they have waited until the last possible minute to make their bold stand when they're left with no alternative but that stand it's the, it's it's you know one of the things my stepdad used to say to me when I was a kid in between beatings son do you know why there was so much bravery at the Alamo no back door. So, you know, we still have enough freedom and liberty to go on offense in this country and say no to these people for this kind of tyranny now. Or you can wait and put it off to the last possible minute when they say, well, you know, it's either this or your life. Either way, you're going to have to say no. I'd prefer to do it when I have the advantage. But most of you seemingly want to wait until we don't. The most valuable asset most Americans will acquire in our lifetimes is uh, the opportunity to own our own home and the equity that goes along with that. But right now, because of uh, today's technology, there's always trade-offs. And, and most of the things we get with today's modern digital age are, are worth the trade-off. But it also means that uh, we're more vulnerable in some areas as well. For example, you know, back in the day, the idea that someone would rob you of your equity by pilfering uh, your, your home title wasn't really a, an accessible crime. They had to go down to a hall of records, comb through mountains of files, show ID. Nowadays, you only show ID to buy Sudafed, not to like do anything with government apparently because that's racist, you know. So uh, the idea that someone, you would just, you know, go to sell your home and all that equity's gone, 20, 30, 40 years ago, it just wasn't really a threat. But today, with all of this stuff now online, and then you look at uh, recent data breaches in the news, like what happened to Starward Hotels and the Marriott Corporation, where 500 million uh, personal identities had their data uh, breached and stolen uh, by this particular data breach for this major corporation. And, and now they've got those things that you enter in to say, yes, this is me, last four digits of my SOCH, my middle initial, you know, my maiden name, the kinds of things you put in there to verify this is my identity. Through these kinds of data breaches, they have all that information now. So when they go to the accessor site and say, oh, yeah, that's me, 
Now they know what some of your security question informations uh, inf or data points are. You know what? Here's what you need to do. Don't be that person goes to sell that home uh, or maybe you go to get that home equity line of credit because you're going to send your kids to college or get the princess the wedding she wants and you're going to cash in on that equity and then it's not there. Get home title lock. Protect the equity in your home. Just pennies a day. They put a virtual barrier around your home's title to protect it from this kind of nefarious activity. And if you want to find out, hey, has my home's title already been targeted? Is it vulnerable? Visit HomeTitleLock.com. They'll give you a free title scan and report. If you're a Blaze viewer uh, and listener, normally it's $100 value, free to you today. HomeTitleLock.com. All right. I wanted to get to this. I was looking forward to this conversation last week. I had a last minute family situation that emerged and I, I had to hit the eject button. So I know you guys talked quite a bit about uh, the, the reaction Tucker Carlson on Fox News is getting to some of his recent comments. Um, before we get into the reaction or what he said, I want to actually share. Let's do this new thing where we actually look at what somebody said before we react to it. Bing, huh? Huh? Bingo was his name. -o. Yeah. So instead of ready, fire, aim, let's ready and aim before we fire. Here are what I think are the most germane excerpts of, of Tucker's, Tucker's monologue last week that set conservative uh, media ablaze. No pun intended. Um, he wrote, uh, first of all, he said, Romney, and he's drawing the contrast between Mitt Romney conservatism and Trump's populist conservative base. He says, Romney spent the bulk of his business career at a firm called Bain Capital. Bain Capital all but invented what is now a familiar business strategy. Take over an existing company for a short period of time, cut costs by firing employees, run up the debt, extract the wealth, and move on, sometimes leaving retirees without their earned pensions. Romney became fantastically rich doing this. Meanwhile, a remarkable number of the companies are now bankrupt or extinct. This is the private equity model. Our ruling class sees nothing wrong with it, and it's how they run the country. Donald Trump rode a surge of popular discontent all the way to the White House. Does he understand the political revolution that he harnessed? Can he reverse the economic and cultural trends that are destroying America? Those are open questions, but they're less relevant than we think. At some point, Donald Trump will be gone. The rest of us will be gone, too. The country will remain. What kind of country will it be then? How do we want our grandchildren to live? These are the only questions that matter. The overriding goal for America is more prosperity, meaning cheaper consumer goods. But is that still true? Does anyone still believe that cheaper iPhones or more Amazon deliveries of plastic garbage from China are going to make us happy? They haven't so far. A lot of Americans are drowning in stuff, and yet drug addiction and suicide are depopulating large parts of the country. Anyone who thinks the health of a nation can be summed up in GDP is an idiot. The goal of America is both simpler and more elusive than mere prosperity. It's happiness. There are a lot of ingredients in being happy. Dignity, purpose, self-control, independence. Above all, deep relationships with other people. Those are the things that you want for your children. They're what our leaders should want for us and would want if they cared. One of the biggest lies our leaders tell us is that you can separate economics from everything else that matters. Economics is a topic for public debate, family and faith and culture. Meanwhile, those are personal matters. Both parties believe this. 
Whenever there's a drop in marriage, a spike in out-of-wedlock out births, and all the familiar disasters that inevitably follow, more drug and alcohol abuse, higher incarceration rates, fewer families formed in the next generation, this isn't speculation. This is not propaganda from the evangelicals. It's social science. We know it's true. Rich people know it best of all. That's why they get married before they have kids. That model works. But increasingly, marriage is a luxury only the affluent in America can afford. And yet, and here's the bewildering and infuriating part, those very same affluent married people, the ones making virtually all the decisions in our society, are doing pretty much nothing to help the people below them get and stay married. Rich people are happy to fight malaria in the Congo, but working to raise men's wages in Dayton or Detroit, that's crazy. This is negligence on a massive scale. Both parties ignore the crisis in marriage. Our mindless cultural leaders act like it's still 1961, and the biggest problem America fa American families face is that sexism is preventing millions of housewives from becoming investment bakers or Facebook executives. What kind of country do you want to live in? A fair country, a decent country, a cohesive country, a country whose leaders don't accelerate the forces of change purely for their own profit and amusement, a country you might recognize when you're old. If you want to put America first, you have to put families first. Now, there's much more to this commentary, but those were the bullet points that I thought stood out to me. And, and I want to discuss some of the reaction to it now uh, in, in, in this week's fake news or not. I would say about a third of the critical reaction I've seen has been earnest, critical thinking, critical reaction. And then I would say about two thirds, including some of what I've seen in my, in, in my inbox from other listeners and viewers, uh, has only just verified and reinforced every point that I believe Tucker Carlson's trying to make. Now, let me say this. I don't know Tucker Carlson. I've never met him. I've never been on his show, never been invited to be on his show. Okay. So, so I have, I, I point that out to say, I have no personal stake here at all. None. Um, uh, this, so this isn't a tribalistic exercise or this isn't, hey, you came at my dude or my man or my boy. I, 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 I'm not, I don't have a, a dog in that particular fight here. On the opposite is true. We spend way more time poking Fox in general in the because side. It, because it won't have conversations exactly. like this. Because it wants to get into the process of last night's polling data showed Trump gained three points with African-Americans. Blacks now voting Republican. That's a self-pleasuring circle. Uh, you know, that's where we just sit around and, man, that smelled great. How was your fart? I thought, it, I thought mine was great too. Yours was rose water. You know, mine kind of smelled like Tide with, you know, menthol. I mean, that, that's, that's what that is. It was is. lavender, Steve. Thank you. That, that's what that is. This now is a real conversation. And one we have every day. One, yeah. Now, I don't know enough about Tucker Carlson and his beliefs in these areas to know that if him and I sat down and extrapolated out the premise he's beginning from, if we, if, if we would come to a point where the, where we would diverge in the woods, basically, I don't know the answer to that. Okay. But at the very least, I believe he ought to be applauded for at least, you know, we often like to tell you, we're not trying to win an argument around here as much as we're trying to just start one half the time. Preach. This is the starting of a very necessary argument. Yep. Let me remove all the labels and names and ask a practical question. How much more economic growth, wealth, and prosperity does the state of Texas need 
given how it's currently economically flourishing, if the cost of doing so requires importing corporate influences and, and relocating workers, that will end up mobilizing to help vote against all the values that made Texas a place people wanted to move to in the first place. Let me put it that way. Let me give you an example. Was it Google, Amazon? Who was it Texas just got a huge deal with? Or Apple? I think it was one either of, Apple or Facebook. It, it, was one of the big, it was one of the big tech giants. Yeah, we want you here. Texas has one of the best economies in the world, guys. In the world. Could it be better? Well, I mean, anything could be better. Um, could Cindy Crawford in, in the Pepsi ad from when we were teenagers, could she have been hotter? I suppose, yeah. I suppose we would have thought, well, you know, I, you know, could we, could we have, could she be hotter? Is she hot enough? Is she, was she hot enough, Todd? Was she hot, or was it, she hot enough? It worked. Yeah. Could she have been hotter? I guess. But was she, was it, was it okay? Was she, was she just fine the way she was? Yes. Yeah. How much more money does Texas need to make? How much more job creation does it need? If the societal cost is, let's import Beta O'Rourke's last 4% of the vote he needed to win that Senate seat last year. That, I believe, that's the conversation Tucker Carlson's trying to have. I can promise you, for all the wealth he's made and created and taken away, I've had plenty of criticisms about Mitt Romney on the political level. I've seen him interact with his family. I've watched him interact with his family. I've watched the way his family behaves publicly. I promise you, Mitt Romney is not going to put on his tombstone at the end, crushed it in private equity. He's not, not going to do that, guys. Not going to do that. Probably won't even put save the Olympics. Probably won't put that on his tombstone either. What do you think he's going to probably put on his tombstone? Loving father and husband. Kind of st- the, the stuff that leaves an ultimate legacy. Pick any, any cemetery in America. Right now, wherever you live, you got a camera on your phone. Basically, everybody has one, just like what Tucker Carlson was just talking about. We all have one right now, right? There's probably no one right now listening or watching me that doesn't have access to a camera on their phone or it's in the single digits. So wherever you live anywhere in America, I dare you right now, go to the local cemetery and take a shot of the funeral plot that says, never missed a day of work. Died with the most toys. Bought the first iPhone when it came out. Show me the funeral plot that says that. You won't. You won't. This, I believe, is the point he's trying to make. There's a difference between capitalism and materialism. There's a difference between capitalism and corporatism. I believe in capitalism as a result of the fall of man. I do not believe it is a, is it a messianic mechanism. It doesn't make people better. We need to have capitalism because people are bad. And so we need options and competition that, that gives us opportunity to insulate ourselves from other people's badness that they want to impose on us. 
And the fewer options there are to do that, the more likelihood other people will impose their sinfulness upon us when we're already battling the, the battle and war of our own sin to begin with. But capitalism doesn't make a nation great. It makes it not insane. There's a difference. These aren't messianic entities. They are practical observations. This is why in my book, Truth Bombs, it says, conservatism is not an ideology. It's an observational science. It is the willingness of you as a human being to realize there is a God and you are not it or him or she or whatever you think God is. And history has revealed through time and space what is worthy of conserving for the human race for this and future generations. That's what it is. Capitalism is great, not because it's independently good as a standalone entity, but because we're bad. A Band-Aid doesn't help anybody who doesn't have a wound. When the Band-Aids are sitting there in your drawer and no one has a sore, no one has a wound that needs covered, do you guys sit around and talk about, man, those Band-Aids freaking crush it. Do you even think about a Band-Aid? No. When do you think of a Band-Aid? When you're hurt. When you're hurt. It Does it heal the wound? No. Does it cover it? Yes. Yes. Does it provide an opportunity for you to then do what is required of you to heal that wound? Does it do that? Yeah. But it's not a messianic entity. It's not a savior. So again, I ask the question, how many more jobs does Texas need to, to give one of its, to import a bunch of people that are going to vote to send millions of dollars to baby killers? that are going to vote to not to take away your guns, that are going to vote to say, you know, maybe, want, maybe we do want illegal aliens driving down the wages around here, to, that are going to vote to say, you know what, we do want your kids taught uh, that um, there is no gender, and if you want to homeschool them to insulate them from this, we will come and take your kids because you're a terrible parent. How many, how many more jobs does Texas need? Now, I understand sometimes, man, Mama got to eat and daddy needs a new pair of shoes. You got to put food on the table. I'm not even saying don't ever make those compromises. I'm even willing to meet you halfway. I understand, man. As my old college roommate, Mike Bartram, used to say, romance without finance, a damn nuisance. I understand. Hey, I get, I get the human because, again, I understand, I, I understand human nature is not basically good. And I understand that when we are not well off and our basic material needs are not met, we are far more prone to look into the abyss and say, hey, I need to eat now. I get that. Texas is not Detroit. So I ask again, how many more jobs does Texas need? How much? What's another four tenths of a growth point? That does what? In exchange for Senator O'Rourke, Senator Beto, who now votes for everything that tears a society apart. How many more jobs do you need? That's the debate Tucker Carlson's trying to have. And the vast majority of the criticism of his uh, that I've seen in the last week only reinforces every point that he's trying to make. And the fact most of conservatism isn't 
capable of having an intelligent conversation about this, it's the best evidence I've seen in my career that we are toast without spiritual revival. Toast. Gentlemen, your thoughts. Well, you, uh, to sum up, um, keep the main thing the main thing. That's all that all Tucker is saying. I, Aaron and I came to this uh, before you did, and we were telling you about it. And first I read the column, uh, and I was inspired by it. And then uh, the trickle first of those in opposition uh, came out. And it's not as if they didn't have in, – in, in, in the particulars, there's going to be lots of need for give and take on where we go with this thing. But generally speaking, as you said, the spark of a better conversation I found to be um, totally uh, within the bounds of what should be obvious for anybody who calls themselves a conservative. And, and instantly, the it, this thing is so dangerous and why I'm so happy to help uh, keep it going on and why I kept at, uh, wanting you to talk about it. And thank God you did today because it's brilliant. Uh, but we need to have this conversation if we can use the term conservatism any longer. This goes right to a new cause we're supporting on the show. Victoria Hearst is the descendant of William Randolph Hearst, one of the most successful historic families in American history. And she's like, how much more money do we need to make to turn Cosmopolitan into a a porn mag for little girls? We don't have enough? 20 billion, 30 billion? What's the price of our own daughters? That's the point she's making with with this campaign we're supporting. So if you want to support her cause... Here's where you need to go. Um, please visit CosmoHurtsKids.com. That's CosmoHurtsKids.com. It's the exact conversation we're having right now. Do you need to sell so many magazines you can't make it? you got to be 18 to buy it? That we're going to destroy our little girls at the same, and their self-worth at the same time? CosmoHurtsKids.com. Hour 2 is next. <laughs> All right, back with Hour 2 here live and on demand on The Blaze. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. I had this happen to me again just during the top of the hour break. I I noticed I was starting to lose uh, my ability to hear really well Mm -hmm. in my earpiece. I had to pull that thing out, man. Clean it off. We got to get this Wax RX thing in our studio. We do. We, I'm dead serious. Yep. All right. So Wax RX is one of our new partners here uh, on the Steve Day Show. And so if you've got that plugged up uh, feeling, Todd, uh, or itchy ears, most of America, but not necessarily <laughs> in that context, if you know what I'm saying. If you see what I did there, right? Uh, but if you've got some real ear pain issues or you work in broadcasting and you're constantly fretting paranoid to your producer, I can't hear, and it's just because there's wax buildup, which happens around here all the time. I probably shouldn't keep pointing out that, that because people are like, don't, hey, it's called a shower. You know, we, we do that every now and then See, that's around the, here. That's Thank the God touchy we're already thing. married. Yeah. That's our, that's our next partner. Take a shower.com. <laughs> Take a shower. <laughs> all right. 
WaxRx uses... You filthy uh, animals. Yes. Uses physician-developed technology that safely and effectively removes earwax buildup, then soothes the ear with its pH-conditioned formula. Right now, you can get WaxRx without a prescription. No more expensive trips to the doctor. No more time wasted on using those cotton swabs and watching the commercials telling you you're a terrible parent if you do that to your kid because you might crack their eardrum or something. Right? Get rid of the guilt. Try the WaxRx system risk-free today. Just go to usewaxrx.com. Usewaxrx.com. Use the offer code radio at checkout uh, for free shipping. Usewaxrx.com. Offer code radio for free shipping. So we've heard a lot about uh, uh, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez in recent uh, weeks. Some of it is just click-servative media where we work attempting to find someone to troll uh, for clicks. And hey, yeah, hate the game, not the player. Some of it, though, is because uh, she is eagerly attempting to sell America on Sweden. As I pointed out last week, the real issue Nancy Pelosi and Whoopi Goldberg have with her Acting all uppity is the fact that she represents the generation that's going to be dominating elections here. Not this next one, but she is really trying to win the 2028-2032 election where they believe now they can honestly sell Americas, sell Americans the Swedish jalopy rather than, you know, the intersectionality race card from the bottom of the deck undercoding that the Nancy Pelosi's and Whoopi Goldberg's have realized they have to lie to us about because we won't just buy the Swedish jalopy if they're honest about it. That, that's really what they're upset at Miss Ocasio-Cortez about is her naive, idealistic honesty. She really is trying to sell us on this vision. One of the core uh, plants in her vision is what she's described as sort of uh, the Green New Deal. What exactly is that? Our guest today to help us figure it out, because we don't know what it is either. Uh, he joins us now, and we want to welcome him to the program. Uh, Daniel Turner is here with us. You can visit their website, powerthefuture.com, powerthefuture, all one word, dot com. Daniel, welcome to The Blaze. How are you, man? Thanks for having me on, and thanks for the great UX conversation. Hey, hey uh, I'm not saying you may have a problem with that, but just in case, use WaxRx.com. All right, brother? So so what is this Green New Deal? What is it? Yeah, this is really this is socialism uh, masqueraded as, as an environmental policy. It's about 5% green, and then the other 95% is just a new deal. It includes things like guaranteed jobs for everybody, guaranteed health care, Guaranteed uh, living wages uh, for all people, free uh, education at every level, including college. Uh, and then there is a small component that says America will be fossil fuel free within the next, she says, 12 years. Um, if you want to sit at the big boy, the adult table and have an adult conversation, you need to talk like an adult. Um, and to say we will be fossil fuel free in 12 years is a childish thing to say. So one of the things we're trying to equip our audience to do, Daniel, is, is to, in the generation that we're moving into, and I, I hate to profile you, but I'm going to, it looks like you might be around my age, maybe a little younger. I'm 45, or you may be mid to late 30s, maybe? 44. All right, so we're about the same age then. Okay. So we are entering into an arena where our generation, when, you know, political correctness was birthed on the college campuses in, in our Gen X era. And our generation is now beginning to take over the leadership positions across the culture from the baby boom generation before us, right? 
And 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 the whole silent majority thing from the 70s, 80s, and 90s is going away. The old dog whistle things that we could say in conservative media, and then we'd shock the pundits on election day. We don't have the numbers to do that going forward. We're going to have to actually win arguments now. All right. Yeah. And, 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 and the best way to win an argument is to not assume all of your opponents are idiots and straw men, but to try to see things the way they think. And some of them are idiots and straw men, and some of the people that represent us are idiots and straw men, too. But, but what is it that they think they're saying? Not maybe what the result of what they're saying is, but can, but can you, die, can you de- deconstruct their premise? Okay, so she would I would guess if she were here today or if, and if we gave her some sodium pentothal, some truth here. What she would say in response to you is, we have to create this economic environment uh, that forces the incentivization of creating clean energies, uh, because if we don't use these draconian measures, we will keep utilizing these fossil fuels that are destroying the planet and the human habitat. And so... You can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs, isn't that? Do you think that would be what the, the where she's earnest? People like her are earnestly coming from. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned growing up in the '80s, right? Because we've been hearing about this climate crisis. I've been hearing about it since high school. So since since you know my childhood, and we have heard that the planet is on the verge of destruction. Um, there have been 10 and 20 year warnings for 30 and 35 years now. And so she is of the generation that she's heard this and she actually believes it. But for those of us who are of a certain age, we say, well, wait a second, you said we were gonna be out of oil in 2000. You said that Greenland and, uh, and, and Iceland were going to be underwater in, 20, uh, in 2005, right? Uh, Al Gore made predictions of, of the Maldives were gonna be underwater. The Maldives are bigger now than they were 30 years ago when that prediction was made. So they have grown up with this belief and they really do buy into it. Um, And you're right. There aren't enough of us in the majority anymore to just dismiss them because that is the common belief. The common belief is that the earth is dying. Mankind is causing it. And if we don't adopt these measures, there will be no planet left. Further proof of that is every Hollywood movie, Interstellar. Uh, right? The Martian. These are all movies about having to leave Earth because Earth is so bad, we have to find another planet. But they really believe this stuff. Sadly, now she's in a position to affect change, to try to drive policy towards it when it's really just scientifically incorrect. What What do you believe people like her and and, and really the names and some of the things you've cited you're right. This argument's been going on my entire time, uh, you know, yeah. as an adult observing politics. And, you know, I remember Ted Danson, you know, the oceans are going to rise. And I, I yeah. you know, we, we've gone back. I loved In Search of when I was a little boy, uh, you know, a lot of time, you know, around Earth Day, we always go back and find the old episodes of In Search of and Leonard Nimoy and Time Magazine and the coming Ice Age. And, and we like to, and I like to always point out the guy who helped start Earth Day, murdered his girlfriend and then composed, and then, uh, uh, Basically composted. Com- composted her in the trunk of his car. All right. Yep. That's where they found her remains. Those, th- but, but when you get beyond that, what would she and people like her say is the best evidence in favor of their dogma? What's their go-to? Um, they would use statistics about uh, rising temperatures or rising sea levels. Um, and, and I'm not going to say I'm a climate denier. If you look at some evidence since 1900, the Earth is 0.99 degrees warmer. If you look at some data, it says that since 1900, the Earth is a few, uh, the water levels are a few inches higher. 
Okay, let's accept that. What also has changed since 1900? Our infant mortality rate is, is better. Our life expectancy is better. Our cancer survival rate is better. Women don't die in childbirth. There isn't so much worldwide like, like abject and miserable poverty that there is. And this is all because of human development, because of economic growth, because of the human spirit, but also because we've had an abundance of cheap, reliable fossil fuels. And that has driven our economy to prosperity, to better life, to better happiness, to jobs. So if Miss Ocasio-Cortez says, well, I want to go back to the water levels and the temperatures of 1900, that's fine. But which people should go back to poverty, right? Mm. Which communities in Africa should go back to poverty? This is, the, to this is the right argument you're making right here. Continue. Yes. You can't have it both ways. It's one or the other. There's either economic growth in the last 150 years or, or there is rising temperatures. And quite frankly, I would rather have more people in health and happiness and employment and prosperity and liberty than seven degrees, uh, temp nine degrees temperature. Even the debate over bovine extracts that go th that's part of this um, goes into what you just said. You know, for example, because of all of the uh, the population indicators that you just pointed out, uh, and mm -hmm. you know, when when people are less diseased, when people are more prosperous, they tend to collectively live longer. And right now, yeah. we have the lowest the lowest percentage of people worldwide living in depressed poverty in the history of this statistic since we've been able to reliably uh, you know, report on it in, in, in the history of our species. Well, those people are going to need food, right? Yeah. And, and they're going to need the mass production of food. And then we're told, well, you know, don't eat all these processed carby foods that are, you know, I'm a keto guy. Well, okay. So I'm not going to eat, I'm not going to eat, you know, processed food, dinner in a box. You know, uh, I'm not going to eat all that enriched flour and all that corn syrup. Well, I've got to there get my whole food protein source from somewhere. Daniel, where am I going to get it from? You know, I exactly. mean, so I, I think the argument you're making here, you're making a moral argument. You know, we want to we want to go get, you know, our NASA guys versus their NASA guys. They're always going to and we they want to have the in the weeds detail argument. What, yeah. what we need to force the other side to have is the moral argument, as you just pointed out. I, I've pointed this out when they say, hey, there's too many people. That's why we need abortion. Well, if you believe yeah. that there's too many people, start with ending your own life and show me exactly. your commitment to the overpop to the Malthusian ethic. Show me yeah, your exactly. commitment and your life first. Your yeah. point is, hey, tell me what groups then need to go back to poverty and have and, and we have their uh, their life expectancy. You tell me which groups we do that with. Because if we get into that moral argument, then we can start having a conversation about, you know, how do we therefore use human ingenuity to to make sure we are, if we're going to do these things that are going to make uh, human life expectancy greater, human uh, population higher, uh, human, uh, you know, uh, poverty lower, then what do we, what new things can we craft and what new things can we, do we have the ingenuity to create to make sure we're not putting a greater strain on our resources at the the same time we're doing that and see now that's the difference between are we having a conservationist stewardship argument or is this a religious experience for you and you just want to use this as uh, as essentially a hammer and a sickle to impose uh you know marxism upon me which is it exactly yeah and there is a moral case to be made clearly for what fossil fuels uh, has done for mankind and for its human flourishing and for prosperity and for freedom. Um, but then there's also the hypocritical argument that we can make 
uh, to point out the people on the left, the, the zealots of the environmental movement and their personal behavior. One of the, the biggest funders of the, of the environmental movement is Michael Bloomberg. I don't begrudge him his wealth. I, if I had $50 billion, I would probably be you know, on a yacht somewhere. But Michael Bloomberg has 14 houses around the world. Michael Bloomberg has a fleet of private jets. He doesn't fly commercial. Michael Bloomberg does not live the way that we live our lives, yet he has no problem funding organizations that try to change our behavior. Um, how come none of these elites in the, in the global climate change movement or in Hollywood uh, live in their personal behavior what they want government to mandate the rest of us do. Case in point, last year at the end of the year, 30,000 people went to Poland for the UN climate study, uh, the cl climate conference. 30,000 people jumped on jets, went to Poland. Do they not have Skype like we have right now? Right. Why did they all get to fly on a jet and go there, yeah. but then they're going to tell us we can't have an SUV? So there's a hypocrisy argument that we always have to point out. I mean, I, I, we get into this whenever there's talk about Native Americans. I always reply to people, if you really believe they got a raw deal through history, forego and 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 and, and forfeit all of the accoutrements and trappings of Western civilization. Trade in Wi-Fi for wampum. Uh, you know, uh, trade in your your trade in your car or Trader Joe's uh, for a teepee, uh, yeah. and and join the local reservation. Show me your level of commitment, because exactly. if I don't see that level of commitment, you know, and this and this applies for me as a Christian. I mean, if I'm not if I'm not willing to live by the creed that I think is for the betterment of society myself, and then when mm -hmm. I violate it, if I don't admit I'm I, I struggle and I'm human and things, like that, if I ask people to live by a standard that I can't live by myself and I won't acknowledge when I fail to live by that standard as we all do, then exactly. we all would agree. I'm, then I, the credibility of my own, our own, own argument is hurt, right? Then that exactly. works both ways. If this is the, if you really believe that these things are happening to the world, why are 30,000 of you going to Ireland then? Why are you doing that? If you really yeah. believe the native Americans got such a raw deal, then why aren't you, why don't you live on a reservation? Why do you live in a, why do you live on a brownstone in suburban DC? I mean, that's um, because if, if, when you're, when you have that level of blatant, it's not even hypocrisy, Daniel, it's lack of self-awareness. When there's that blatant level of self-awareness, you leave people like me with no conclusion to think you're a scam artist that is just using these as talking points to impose your your alternative vision for civilization upon me that this is a this is this is uh, this is a red herring this is not something you truly believe in and this is where a lot of times the modern left really does fall into the level of of, of fascism because they do not live it in their personal lives and their personal behavior, but they do want the power of the coercive state of government to mandate it on the rest of us. Bernie Sanders, probably the leader in the Senate of, of climate issues, um, spent about $300,000 during the election cycle in one month on private jet travel because he was campaigning for folks. If Bernie Sanders can spend six times the cost of the average uh, American's salary, annual salary, spent 300 grand on private jets how am I supposed to take him seriously when he says, well, we have to reduce our carbon he owns, footprint? He owns three homes. Exactly. Why doesn't he turn one of those into a haven for the homeless or something? How many homes exactly. does he need? And this is where they, they do border on the level of, of crazy fascism because they want government to force it down our throats, but they want an exemption. They want to live a different lifestyle. And so Ms. Ocasio-Cortez is, is really no different in that sense. She wants to mandate European style. Look at what's going on in Europe between Brexit, between the yellow vest protests in France. People are tired of big government 
forcing policies upon them. They're, they're trying to liberate themselves from it. And quite frankly, if Ms. Ocasio-Cortez takes this too far, she will remember our nation was founded on government forcing things down the throat of its unwilling people. And, and we will fight back. Americans are not passively going to take a Green New Deal into their lives. They're not. Final thing, Daniel. There are true believers promoting this stuff, not all just political opportunists or folks that use this as a cover for Marxism. There are true believers. I'm sure you've run into them uh, in your travels representing yep. the other side of the argument. What is, what, is the, what is the one compelling argument the true believers of this ideology present that you think folks like me or audiences like mine um, need to consider? So again, we just don't create a bastion of straw men and act like, well, you know, we don't want to become like that, which we're condemning. If you don't agree, we're Chuck Todd. We're going to do a show on climate change, but no alternative viewpoints. We don't yeah. want to create, you know, one echo chamber for another. So what's the most compelling argument you think the other side of the argument has? Probably the most compelling argument is when they talk about, um, uh, like I mentioned, things like the temperatures have gone up in the last 100, 150 years, that sea levels have increased in the last 150 years. And and if, if you want to look at certain data and say that that is, is undeniable, that's fine. But we also know that there was a period in our Earth's history where Greenland was covered in trees and the Saudi Peninsula was hundreds of feet underwater. So our Earth is constantly changing. And where we need to have like an intellectual argument is what contributes what how much is mankind contributing to this change and that's where the science is not remotely settled and if you want me to give up the quality of life i live and if you want me to to tell people who are on dialysis that they got to unplug their machines etc well then that's a moral argument that we have to have but we we can't deny certain facts of the planet but our planet's been changing for the billions of years it's been around can mankind really change it that much i don't think we can if you like what you've heard here or seen here today on The Blaze from Daniel Turner, our guest, check out their website, powerthefuture.com. Powerthefuture.com. Daniel, thanks for joining us here today, man. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Again, that website is powerthefuture.com. Let's get to today's Truth Bomb in honor of the release of my new book, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise, on sale right now. Endorsements from Matt Walsh, Glenn Beck, Mark Levin, and Dan Bongino. And if you've already got the book, some of you got the uh, audio version that dropped, I think, on Friday or Saturday. We've gotten a few emails from people already. You've had a chance to listen to it all the way through. If you could leave us a, uh, a five-star review at Amazon, we would appreciate it. I've already gotten my first I checked it during the commercial break. I got my first one-star review. Now, we're not as big as like Levin and Beck where the rainbow jihadist organized like campaigns to jump on Amazon and one-star all their books. So they have like hundreds of and thousands of one-star reviews. I'm not big enough yet to merit that level of a backlash, but I did notice books only been out for a few hours. I already got my first one-star review in Amazon from someone who said typical right-wing trash. Nice. All right. So first of all, thank you. I feel like that that scene in The Jerk where Steve Martin realizes his name's in the phone book. I'm on, I, I am somebody. I'm on the radar. It's like the other day, like a couple months ago, and everybody was getting banned from Twitter. I'm like, what in the world do I got to do to get banned around here? For goodness sakes, man. Somebody banned me. Right? All right. But uh, if you could leave us a five-star review, if you had a chance to go through the book, if you liked it, we would appreciate it. And again, you can uh, purchase at bookstores everywhere, but the publisher would really appreciate it if you did so at Amazon.com. All right. Today's truth bomb, courtesy of our good friend, 
Shannon Joy, who brought this to my attention earlier today. This is Senator James Langford, who says, I am proud to be one of 35 senators introducing legislation to end taxpayer funding for abortions. The federal government does not need to help fund abortions. Hashtag March for Life. Why didn't they do this two years ago? Why didn't they do this last year? Let me check my no good answers file. So I'm going to, in real time right now, Liberty Score Conservative Review. Oh, oh. I'm going to look do, do, at Senator do, do, Langford's do, 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 Liberty Score. Any guesses? Yeah, let's put an over-under, Todd, at um, 37%. Yep, I, was, I had 35 in my head, so. You're well taking done. the under at 37? Uh, yeah, I'm going to okay. take the under. Well, I'm, I'm going to be forced to take the over then. To be, uh, I'm going to be a little optimistic. You guys put the over-under at what now? 37. It's actually over. Wow. Okay. It's not good. Okay. So here's a guy. He represents Oklahoma. Is that a red state? Bunch of libs. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. So here, this is, this, is, this is in the introduction to the book. I went to the Conservative Review Liberty Score, and I thought... I wonder, I wonder what the liberty scores are of Republicans who represent red states. Okay? So, let me open this up. Oh, no. This is... And when I saw this is when I became convinced I'm going to write this book. All right? So, so here are... So, Lang, by the way, Langford's liberty score is 68%, which is terrible for a state like Oklahoma. What was Ronald Reagan's old line? person who's 80% your friend isn't your 20% enemy. What about the person who's only 68% your friend? <laughs> what about that? All right. Especially in a hundred percent state. Okay. But what's sad is his by comparison, isn't that bad? It's bad. You ready for this to get worse? So I just looked at Republicans in red states when I wrote this book last year, Lamar Alexander, Tennessee, 12%. Thad Cochran, Mississippi, 24%. Orrin Hatch, Utah, 27%. John Hoven, North Dakota, 28%. Roger Wicker, Mississippi, 30%. By many accounts, Mississippi is the most conservative state in the union. Both of their senators, at the time I wrote this book, were 30% were 30 or lower on the Liberty score. Johnny Isaacson, Georgia, 31%. Shelley Capito, West Virginia, where Trump won every precinct and Romney did too in the last, not every county or district, precinct. Everywhere you went to vote, they won them all, okay? Uh, she's at 32% F. Lindsey Graham, South Carolina, 33% F. John Cornyn, Texas, 35% F. Mitch McConnell, Kentucky, where three times in recent history, the Democratic nominee for president didn't get 40% of the popular vote, uh, 38% F. Roy Blunt, Missouri, 41% F. Bill Cassidy, Louisiana, 44% F. Bob Corker, Tennessee, 49% F. This, this is like that scene at the end of Karate Kid 2 when Daniel uses the drum technique on Chosen. <laughs> Just hammering over and over again. You want to get hammered some more? <laughs> so those are the liberty scores of Republicans in deep red states. Here are the liberty scores of Democrats 
in swing states, 50-50 states. Sherrod Brown, Ohio, 10%. Michael Bennett, Colorado, 10%. Tammy Baldwin, Wisconsin, 9%. Gary Peters, Michigan, 8%. Debbie Stabenow, Michigan, 8%. Mark Warner, Virginia, 4%. Bill Nelson, Florida, 2%. Tim Kaine, Virginia, 2%. Catherine Cortez Mastro, Nevada, 0%. The Democrats in swing states are better on their platform than Republicans are from the red states are. And that's why, that's why they didn't do this for the last couple of years. It's not that they're dumb. They're not the stupid party. And we're, you know who's getting stupid? We are for repeating this lie to ourselves, for throwing it into the ether, for declaring it. They're not the stupid party. They're not the dumb party. They're not the gutless party. They're the Planned Parenthood party. They agree with them more than you and I. Maybe once, twice, three times a Haiti buckwheat, you might say, maybe you're just really bad at this, or maybe you're just not very brave. 25 years. 25 years of checks. What do you, what do you call that? We've already passed bed intruder. You so dumb for real. What's 25 years of checks? Most of these are years that Republicans have had control of Congress. Total control. They had total control in the Bush years. More than half of his presidency. They had it the first two years of the Trump presidency. They're not dumb. They're not stupid. We're dumb. They're not stupid. We are. They're not cowardly. We is. For letting them get away with it all this time. There's a lot of talk today about who has the character and integrity to serve in Congress. And who should be cast out. And who should be uh, scarlet lettered. What about someone who thinks it's a good idea to insert forceps into the uterus of a woman vaginally in order to crush the brain of her child and then put in a tube that sucks all the brains out. And then it has all the baby's remaining parts limb by limb extracted and then um, made medical waste. The how's bi- that? How's that? What kind of integrity is that to hold public office? Do you think the billboards tell me that's healthcare now, Steve? Yeah. I'm all for having a conversation about who's got the integrity and which views are, should be within our halls of Congress. It's just the one we're having right now ain't honest because we'd start at a place like that. And these Republicans have written the organization that does that thousands of times every day, millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in checks of our money at the same time that same organization is spending hundreds of millions of dollars for the last couple of decades to defeat all these same Republicans. They're not funding their enemies. They're funding our enemies. Those are two totally different things. Our enemies aren't their enemies. How's that for a truth bomb? today. Did that one splatter enough for you? Would that one measure? That one rattle enough cages? That one break enough glass? That one unsettle enough foundations for you? 
because that's just a taste of what's in here. 10 pages well over that contain well over 100 footnotes. So we are without excuse. No way out. No more lies to tell ourselves. Nope. No more. So you know what? If you like the system, if, you, if you're fine line, don't read this. Don't. You're not ready for it. Don't do it. Don't do it to yourself. you're thinking about buying or selling a home this year, you want to check out realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Glenn Beck started this company six years ago because uh, him and so many of his listeners growing frustrated by real estate agents who talked a good game, but did not deliver the results. It takes a ton of expertise to be a great realtor these days. This process of finding one can be hard to navigate. And that's why they built the team to help home sellers and buyers do things differently and to help you sell or buy your home much more effectively. Uh, Beck's team holds their agents accountable. They follow each home seller or buyer from the initial interest until you finally buy or sell that home. Real estate agents, I trust, is the best way to buy or sell a home in America. Buy or sell for fast and for the right price with the team at realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, let's get to Pop Culture Tuesday, where we take a look at the intersection between culture and conservatism. And right now, this commercial is parked right in the middle of that intersection. The Me Too movement against sexual harassment. Is this the best a man can get? Is it? We can't hide from it. It's been going on far too long. We can't laugh it off. Who's the daddy? What I actually think she's trying to say making the same old excuses boys will be boys boys will be boys boys will be boys but something finally changed allegations regarding sexual assault and sexual harassment and there will be no going back because we we believe in the best in men men need to hold other men accountable smile sweetie come on to say the right thing, to act the right way. Not cool, not cool. Some already are. In ways big and small. I am strong. I am strong. But some is not enough. Somehow we treat each other, okay? Okay. Because the boys watching today will be the men of tomorrow. Your instant thoughts watching the whole commercial. Well, it would have been appropriately ended with an appearance from the GameStop tranny call me ma'am guy at the end because that's where that leads. 
and it totally inappropriately hijacks some genuine courage. The the the, the real life scene there of the uh, the black man who stood in front of uh, stood between what was an impending gang fight just absolutely hijacked. You know th- that was that was a real man, yeah. But that took a level of courage to stop something like that. You know when you when the people making this kind of commercials when you guys are threatening violence out at, at like Antifa rallies, then hey, it's cool. Show that fist in the air. Threaten people because everything's at stake. Uh, There is no internal coherence to what you just saw. That's my instant reaction. Aaron? Am I woke enough yet? (laughs) Was today the right day to come out? For those of you that are uh, listening on Blaze Radio, we're going to listen to this later on the podcast. You, you can't see. Um, Aaron was dressed uh, rather effeminately. Is that is that suffice to say? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I think I'm I think I'm doing what they wanted wanted he, us to do. He's always a woman to me. All right, so true confession time. Can we keep it real? No BS. No BS here, right? So when you're launching a book, it, it's a, it's a, particularly if you're, if you don't have um, 10, 14 million listeners yet, the amount of, you know, interviews you do in places like Sacramento, California, or I did the Lars Larson nationally syndicated show before I came on today, um, you know, and, and so my schedule is really harried. We get in here. I finally get all of the pre-promotional stuff for the book launch today done at a quarter to when we went on the air. I sit down and Aaron's like, so what's on fake news or not? Uh, what's today's truth bomb? And I realized I got so swamped. I I just, it slipped my mind. I'm planning half of the show. And by today. the way, I want to say something too. This is uncommon for hosts. He does uh, the vast majority of the planning of this show. Yeah. So I, and then we're all just sitting here. And I'm like, crap, you know, and last week I got an email from our outstanding sales team here at the blaze said that, um, they wanted me to, uh, when we bring back brick house nutrition, you know, we promoted the field of greens thing, which helped me trick Noah into drinking his vegetables because he wouldn't eat them. You know, so they've got this product from dawn till dusk, like this, this natural energy supplement, not like loaded with chemicals, like a five hour energy, you know? And I'm like, you know what, man? I'm going to actually try it this coming week because I'm going to need it. Because I am I am burning the candle at seven ends right now. And I, I heard a lot about this commercial. And most of what I saw in this commercial from conservative media, including our own montage when we played at the beginning, was only the first half of this commercial. And... Um, uh, and so I'm burning the candle at both ends. I've been taking this from dawn till dusk the last couple of days. By the way, it really does work, man. I did like this uh, jump squat workout with Noah the other day. I'm trying to come up with workouts where that are more cardio related sometimes, where he's younger and in better shape than me. Because he gets really despondent when we like lift weights and stuff. And he's like nowhere near his old dad. And I'm like, dude, you're 11. Okay. Because he's like me. He's really competitive. So I'm like, let's do this jump squat workout. Because I'm like, he's definitely going to beat me at this. I don't know, man. I had all kinds of energy. <laughs> and so like, couldn't beat the old man at that either. 
you know? So I, we're going to start talking about this from dawn till dusk a little bit more. If you want to get more information on it, I think you just go to BrickHouseSteve.com like we did uh, with the, the Field of Greens. Uh, and if you use my name, promo code Steve, you get 15% off your first order. All right, BrickHouseSteve.com, promo code Steve, get 15% off of your first order. Uh, it's an all-natural, uh, you know, energy boost from dusk till dawn from the team at uh, the physician team at Brickhouse Nutrition. So I had not seen this entire commercial all the way through until just now. My view on this commercial is different having seen the second half. And I'm open to being told I'm wrong. Because when I watch the first half of this commercial, I have every reaction all of my peers in conservative media have. And I go back to what I said at the beginning of the show when we watched the first half of the commercial again. Seems like a really odd marketing strategy to tell all your potential customers you're terrible. I had the exact same reaction the first time I watched the whole thing, too, that you're having right now. So I want, forgive me, audience. I've been so busy, and I still have to, you know, pretend to be a husband and father. I take my kid to basketball practice last night and other stuff, you know. Right now in real time is the first time I've watched that whole commercial. And I have a totally different view of it having watched the second half. Because with the exception of the, of, of, of the divine element, of the divine accountability element, all of the other solutions that it addresses are the right ones. Other male accountability, dad stepping up to make the right example, confronting evil when we see it, not being passive, taking initiative. I am open to being told, Steve, you've taken too much dawn till dusk the last few days. Easy, bro. Okay? But when I watch the second half of this commercial, I have a different reaction to it than I did when I just watched the opening half. See, Tell me where the, I'm wrong. He, I'm open to being I wrong. Had, when I watched this for the first time yesterday, I had the exact same reaction. What is, what's wrong with this? Why is this being panned? And I watched it again, and the implication that uh, all men, or at least most men, um, are not already doing that, are just uh, a bunch of um, you know, what was depicted in the commercial, basically, where we don't break up arguments and we're just uh, ogling, it, uh, ogling women all of the time. The implication there, uh, again, gives you an insight into the worldview and what is expected. Essentially, Todd, I would say, uh, essentially, the same people who are probably telling you they don't know what it means to be male are now telling you what it means to be a man. Yeah. And that's that's yeah. the that's the problem that I have with it. Because I agree, if you just took the last half of the commercial, it would be easy to see, yes, be but when the solution is um you can't be aggressive on any front. Um you can't um you know, boys will be boys now. That 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 seems to be meaning something different to them than it does to a lot of people. Um I, I just I I'm very my spidey senses are tingling because okay, let me of the address premise, your, let me address the what premise you just said. that they're coming from. Well, we're assuming the premise they're coming from. Well, when they came to the solution, there was aggression. The dude, we see a guy run right into a fight to save a guy a kid that's being bullied. We see another dude grab another guy, a, woman, a guy who's going to follow a woman he doesn't know down the street. No, dude, we don't do that. Okay, I mean. We're assuming their premise based on the first half of the. Let's go to you. You know keep what? talking about halves, and that's the problem. Yes, here, you know the what? center does hold not on. hold. You know what? Maybe it does. I want to go back to what I said about Tucker Carlson last hour, and what we have said on our show. 
We're not always trying to win an argument. We're trying to start one. Yeah, maybe I don't, maybe, maybe at some point, like I said with Tucker Carlson, maybe at some point, if we, if, if I, if we extrapolated his premise and we'd get to a point where maybe I'm like, eh, I don't think I can go there with you. But at the very least, we all agreed he's at least starting a conversation deeper about what's our ultimate aim here. What are we trying to conserve as conservatives? We agree with that, right? Yeah. I could make a really strong argument based on how that commercial ends. It, it may not be right because, you know, ultimately, if you remove the creator in whose image we're made, if you remove that, if you take God out of the equation who made us male and female, who, to, who gives us the divine attributes and character and roles that each of us have as men and women, if you remove that, that's maybe about the best a culture, a pagan secular culture is capable of outside of divine accountability of saying, dude, step up and hold other men accountable. Set the right example for young boys. That's probably the best you can do with God out of the equation. That maybe I, okay. they're starting a conversation here. I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. That's the best that they can do. But I disagree that they we were assuming their premise. I mean, they tell you what their premise is right off the bat when it shows you all these uh, stereotypical negative depictions of men. Yeah. The premise is that uh, you know men are just uh, inherently uh, just because of our gender, not because of our nature as a human being, but because of our gender, we are inherently deficient or this or that. Or the I other. agree. Yeah. And they but, start but the younger. solution, but. but the, but the solution at the end, Aaron, are, is the same argument. Men step up and be men. Do your job. Initiate. Lead. Set the example. Defend the innocent. Protect well, and defend. So then it's, yeah, the center still doesn't hold then because if we're inherently, uh, you're inherently bad because of what's between our legs, then how are we, how in the world are right. we going to be able to step up? Well, and that's that? why I said this that's is double, probably. It's a double-minded is, argument. Yes, but you look, you're looking at this from a biblical worldview. How many people watching this will? No, I just said. Uh, will, uh, yeah, okay, um, I, but I just said, you know, I'll give you that from uh, this is the best a pagan culture can Listen, be. I don't want to defend this. I'm not going to be real. This ain't this ain't the click-servative uh, book sales methodology, okay? I'm just keeping it real. I mean, I'm just, I've not seen the second half of that ad until we just aired it, and I'm like, I don't know that we're, uh, maybe we're not all reading this one right. Maybe we are, maybe we're David French and Tucker Carlson here a little bit. Maybe we ought to consider that the first half of the ad is about toxic masculinity. I could make a pretty good argument that the second half of the ad is about actual masculinity. Nobody got sent to sensitivity class. Nobody's sitting there wearing eyeliner oh. and mascara. You, the, the, because it's lying to you. The, That's what, not real. Okay, good. Tell me what I'm missing. What's the lie? The lie that that that, that you can lampoon, uh, and they start off with young boys in backpacks crashing through the screen. They're saying something is inherently wrong, not just when we become men, who we are from from the beginning, and we have to be transformed. And I promise you, if you if you believe that, you can't get to the place yes. where you have men stepping in between the bullets and stopping the fight and stopping the bullying. They I, will stand by and that. passively watch. And how do I know? Because I go out and I live my life when I'm not doing this show and i see that over I, and over and over again. i i agree with you but again we're all looking at this as people that acknowledge the natural order of the universe and the creation we're a minority guys we're a minority in our own audience there's a truth bomb 
We're a minority in our own audience, which is why I said last week, you know what question I've gotten more in my career than any other? Why don't I hear about this stuff at church? So assume the average guy watching that has never been to a church, never cracked open a Bible. I was born out of wedlock to a 15-year-old mom. I had a terrible masculine role model. I don't know about the complementarian nature of genders. I don't know any of the stuff that all of us are bringing to the table because we have been uh, discipled and transformed by the owner's manual to the universe, the word of God. I was stunned at what they said. This sal- I thought the ad was going to end with the toxic masculinity thing. I was stunned the ad then turned to, you know who doesn't want men taking the initiative to, to heal situations? Feminists. Leftists. The leftists don't, the left, don't, they don't, they don't believe, they believe, they preach passivity. They don't want any masculinity. They don't, they don't want any notion that the man's job is to protect and defend. Do you think the feminists want an ad where, a, where one guy walks up to another guy and says, no, you're not follow, you're not going to follow that woman down the road and oogle her. You're not doing that. Let alone it's the black guy stopping the white guy from doing bad. That just blows up every intersectionality argument. I don't know. I, I kind of think maybe we got some itchy trigger fingers here because we're all used to, and for, for very good reasons, for very good reasons, we are all used to what we think that ad says. And I'm open to that maybe what they want the ad to say, but it's not what it says at the end. And maybe they don't even realize it. I don't know. But the solutions they offer to their false premise at the beginning are all the solutions or many of the solutions a program like ours would offer. How many times have we said, we just cannot, what guy would not just step in? How many, I sat here and did a rant last year. No custodian, no, no reporter, no man at 30 Rock, when they saw Matt, what's his face, had a sex dungeon to rape women, no one stepped in and said, hell no, not on my watch. No one did. And because of the false premises underlying, and they never will because of this commercial. You know what though? We had one heck of a good conversation about it, and I thank them for that. They at least sparked an argument. I appreciate that. Final thoughts today are brought to you by Home Title Lock. Again, protect your home's equity. Pennies a day. If you go to HomeTitleLock.com, get a free title scan and report right now. If you're a Blaze viewer, listener, make sure your home's title is not threatened by near-do-wells out there. HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. We got a minute. Final thoughts. Todd or Aaron. Uh, well, uh, we talk about uh, how to promote this show. Uh, I think it's fitting on the day a book is coming out that uh, any any one of the segments could be a uh, promo. Uh, we were bringing it today, and apparently our preparation for it was the worst it's ever been. So <laughs> you do with that what you will. Yeah, I learned we should not plan shows more often. That was uh, that was a fun show. We learned the more we try, the, the better the, or the less we try, the yeah. better this is. Yeah. That, I don't think that's good, by the way. Who would have thought we good? could try less? <laughs> I'm all for trying less. That's the message of that Gillette ad. Try less. Try less. <laughs> Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Back at it again tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.